Welcome to Flip Your Lid with Kim Honeycutt. Kim is a psychotherapist and executive director of ICU Talks, a mental health speaking ministry. This is a podcast about how to flip your lid and learning how to reconnect to who you really are. Well, hey, Flip Your Lid audience. This is a real special day and a real special time. I'm honored to have the Reverend Ben Kramer with me today. If you're on social media, you're probably aware of his work and we're aware that he is a Reverend, he's a writer, he is just incredibly influential for those of us who are in the Christian world, but also disgusted at times by the Christian world. So very honored to have you here, Reverend Ben. Thank you for joining us. It's so good to be here with you, Kim. Yeah, it's really good. So you're in you're in a whole different time zone. You're somewhere else, right? Yeah, yeah, in Boise, Idaho. Wow, wow. Well, yeah. you can move to Charlotte, North Carolina, whenever you're ready. <laughs> we welcome you to come here. We need you to come here. <laughs> well, I love the accent, so it's it's pulling me there. <laughs> what accent? What are you talking about? <laughs> right. Oh, that's awesome. All right. All right. So we're going to start with you. We start with everybody, and we'll just see where this goes. So please. Tell me what in life has flipped your lid and what measures have had you, had you had to take to reconnect to who you really are? Yeah, you know, since we since you asked that question, you know, I've been really thinking about when was the time that, you know, what really did flip my lid? And I think as I was trying to answer that for myself, uh, I, I thought of how it was kind of like a time release, you know, a capsule mm-hmm. for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I was raised in a, a really... Uh, fundamentalist, uh, deeply conservative evangelical culture. Um, And then once I started pursuing theological education, my, my studies of scripture weren't lining up with a lot of the values and things that I was taught in that culture. Mm. So as I kept pursuing answers in history and in studying scripture, the closer I got to what I felt like Jesus was saying in scriptures, um, the further I felt from the tradition of my, of my childhood. And then, you know, everything that's happened over the last several years, um, Mm -hmm. that definitely made me more public and vocal about, you know, what I felt like the witness of the church is is called to be given Christ's ministry, life, death, resurrection, Mm -hmm. and what we're seeing with especially the evangelical culture that I was raised in. So I think that was the crux for me um, that that flipped my lid slowly over time. But these last several years has really um, has just shaken it loose and and thrown it away. (laughs) So, yeah. So tell me a little bit. I mean, we're all so shaken. And so I think that's yeah. part of why there's so much deconstruction and disorientation that's happening. However, yeah. there's a resistance against the deconstruction. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about how, because you are very much in demand, people are seeking your words or seeking mm-hmm. guidance from you. How did it get from, you know, a young man that's questioning what you've always known, which is a huge flip yeah. of your lid, yeah. to being somebody that people, that there's such a gentleness and knowledge about you that people are just, coming towards you, but how do you get from the deconstruction confusion, because it turns us upside mm-hmm. down, to now this guy who people are turning to very quickly? Yeah, I, that's an excellent question. If, if I had to try to answer that, I think it's because of a willingness to deconstruct openly and, and publicly. And, you know, I, I hope one of the big senses that people get from my writings is that I 
I don't claim to have all the answers. I, I really do believe that Christianity is a, a journey of discovery where we're discovering mm-hmm. things together. We have this posture of curiosity and, and humility about each other and about the world around mm-hmm. us and about God. And so my hope was to do that in a more public way where people felt invited into that space, maybe put words to their own uh, journey of discovery and, and find some resonance with each other there. Yeah, we've done it well. And and even since Friday, since Roe versus Wade was overturned, like I've, you know, been looking at what you're writing, which you were already putting out there. But even that, I think you put out there today about imagine a country, mm-hmm. dot, 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 and then imagine Christianity, dot, dot, dot. And you've already had like 427 shares mm-hmm. of that. Like there's mm-hmm. a hunger yeah. for that. Can you tell a little bit about how when you heard the news, you know, really as a, yeah. As a man, but a very caring, Christ-following man, how, how that landed on you? Yeah, you know, I, I think many might resonate with this, but it, it really, it, it struck me in such a complex way. You know, one from the my upbringing where that seemed to be the goal, like overturning yeah. Roe v. Wade was, was like the main you know, political activism that I was raised in. And then ministry, you know, listening to to women and mm-hmm. people who bear children um, and, and walking with them through the complexity of pregnancy, it honestly opened up a whole world of nuance and complication that I was not aware of before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and understanding what the influence of poverty on those decisions. Absolutely. Pregnancy and, and like all of the factors in our complicated, complex world and how it impacts that journey. Um, my, that my mind went first to the people that I've walked with in mm-hmm. ministry through really difficult pregnancies and really difficult decisions. And my heart just broke, honestly, like yeah. I just started weeping um, yeah. for, mm-hmm. for people who I didn't even know that, you know, that would, that would be so in fear now in the states that they live in. I'm in Idaho and we have a lot of trigger laws too, that, mm-hmm. that just feel like they're going to the extreme to try to prove this ideological control rather right. than, you know, putting the, the people or individuals first. Right. Um, and so, you know, it was just a complication of, of emotions and, and, and thoughts when I heard the ruling. Yeah. Thank you. That was so well said. And, and so there's so much comes up with me. Listen to you. one, the thousands of women and men I've sat with making difficult decisions and just trigger warning on this, the women I've worked with who have been raped, including being raped by their own fathers, the things, the complications that are there, the women who have had atopic pregnancies, because, you know, abortion is a medical term. Like, so it's so overwhelming. Domestic violence, thinking about women who now, how the boyfriend or husband's going to respond when they say they're pregnant and they can't get an abortion just the threat to women's lives, right? There's, right. It's just, it's such a right. complexity, which I know you're very much saying in just the idea of how do we be able to hear people and they're using scripture to justify not having empathy. And really the only thing that separates us from being narcissistic in a lot of ways is just is sympathy and compassion. Yeah. 
It doesn't separate from being, from being atheist. You can be atheist and be empathetic, but to be mm-hmm. actually a caring person, there has to be some empathy. And I'm not yeah. hearing it, Ben. Yeah. Well, and, and that was the big thing for me as well. When, you know, the statistics show that um, one in four women have, have experienced an abortion and four out of 10 are in Christian circles. Right. And so over 54% of abortions occur with women in Christian circles. And so it's the, the very people who should have the compassion for those in their circles. Right. I don't feel like I'm hearing it, especially from people in, in positions of power uh, that makes these decisions. And that, I think that's what breaks my heart the most is like, where is the empathy? Where's the humility? Where's the compassion for how these legislations are going to impact, especially the most vulnerable people in our, in our society. Right. Cause there's people who are already being marginalized and poverty is a, big part of this right and right, so again absolutely. It's, it's, and and i you know just personally it's not that i'm pro-abortion I, but i'm also i am pro-birth i am pro looking at the entire system and the entire system of the person and mm-hmm. not just making this a simple thing so you know we know in this first stage of any religion to, if you only get to stage one it means that it's just about what you and your people think and believe it doesn't go beyond it doesn't go to right. transformation doesn't go to a higher learning doesn't go to higher consciousness it just be, it means i belong because i think the way the majority think right right here's the rules we have to walk by you know these sets of rules to be included that's right Right. right. And so that's that's the set. That's if you think the way we think, then you're in. Mm-hmm. If you think differently, you're not allowed to be in this. Right. Right. And so just to think like how how do we address that? And again, I don't want to feel better than or less than anyone. I don't want to feel better than someone who can't look at this but from one side. That's not the goal as a Christ right. follower. Right. But how do we approach this and not become intolerant of the intolerant? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think that's such an incredible question. And well, I think the example I see from, from Christ is that like, this is God, the infinite God creator of the universe, becoming human, finite for the very first time. Why? To mm-hmm. understand our existence, mm-hmm. like never understanding what it meant to grow old, never mm-hmm. understanding what it meant to be hungry, you know, mm-hmm. to, to, to ache, you know, for food, yeah. all, of, all of these things. God stepped into our world fully and completely mm-hmm. and then took all the brokenness mm-hmm. so that we could be healed and set free yeah. from that. And so if we're not doing that mm-hmm. on the front mm-hmm. lines of th- what you know, where this legislation will impact. If we're not stepping into their world and trying to understand that, then we're not being like Jesus, stepping into humility and compassion uh, for those. No matter what our preconceived beliefs are, you know, stepping into their shoes is the Mm -hmm. first part of understanding how salvation can come, (laughs) how salvation can be brought into that situation. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and and in that, you know, the statistics are staggering how people are walking away from Christianity. Oh, yeah. Like, I can't imagine anyone reading all the posts that are happening on different forms of social media and that someone said, wow, let me get to church this Sunday. Oh, I know, right? Oh, my goodness. I, I couldn't agree with you more. Some of the sermons I see going viral, some of the yeah. just hateful things that I hear professing Christians say mm-hmm. towards certain, you know, people mm-hmm. groups. It's just like, 
Yeah, and, and then like you said, there's there's all of this judgment towards those who are deconstructing. And to me as a pastor, I'm like, it's no wonder people are de- deconstructing. Like I give so much, I'm encouraged by people who stay in the deconstructing phase rather than just abandon it altogether from what they yeah. see. Right. And so like there, we have no one to blame, but ourselves, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. in, in Christian circles, like we, what we've done in the public arena ha- has pushed so many people away and there's going to have to be a lot of repenting. That yeah. needs to happen before we yeah. can regain that 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 right. good reputation. Yeah. So, how do you define sin? Because I know in my deconstruction walk, in my interaction with church since I came out, that my understanding of sin is really it's hard to define now. Yeah. Yeah. So how how do you define that? Well, I think that's a that's a huge theological category, but I think it's helpful to break it down in some parts. There's traditionally and doctrinally the the church has had two um un, two cohesive definitions that go together: original sin and personal sin, right? Which you've heard mm-hmm. before. Mm-hmm. Uh, personal sin. I'm a Wesleyan, so my theological right. background is is different. But as a Wesleyan, we define personal sins as a uh, a violation of a known law of God. So, like, let's say I didn't know uh, a command from God, like uh-huh. lying or whatever. If I didn't know that and I, you know, I committed that act, then, you know, I'm not guilty of sin. I am made aware of that after, <laughs> after doing that. Right. Right. Uh, but that's kind of a personal thing where sin damages myself or another person. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Original sin is this idea from like Adam, you know, our mm-hmm. first human parents that, that goes. And I think the modern word for original sin is systemic. Right. It right. has shaped our our mm. culture, our way of being together, our mm. laws, the ways that we establish society, um, orders of hierarchy, right? Mm. Original sin impacts all of those things. Um, and so I, I I think a really good standard definition that I tend to use is that whatever um what whatever brings the absence of love towards myself or another person. And, and brings harm, um, that's that's a really good indication that sin's in the mix somehow. And mm-hmm. so we Christians are constantly overturning things and saying, you know, is this damaging myself, another person, or my relationship with God? Mm-hmm. How, how should I confess that and repent that to, to bring repair um, to yeah. the situation? Yeah, I really like that, especially the idea of how individual that is because what would cause me to be absent of love may not be what causes you right. to be absent of right. love. And again, it's very hard to define love. Yeah. You know, to me, yeah. it's more of a recipe of certain ingredients like empathy, grace, mercy, curiosity, yeah. compassion that leads mm-hmm. to connection. Yeah. So if legislation is making a decision that actually causes people to disconnect from safety, disconnect from mm. systems, how how is that of God? Right, right. Yeah, I, I think a, a biblical mirror to what you just said is what is the fruits of the Spirit? So what is this yeah. What is this life producing? I could say that this is love, but maybe mm-hmm. it's something that like, I'm sure you, you know, when I've been through therapy before, one of the big things that I had to discover is what am I, what am I mislabeling as love that's actually um, 
pursuing something unhealthy, right? Because right, uh, right. addiction at, mm-hmm. at some point, you know, can be this unhealthy, unholy lust <laughs> or, right. or love yeah. towards something, right? right. Um, and so it's a, a calibration of like, what's, what's this actually producing in my life? Is it producing mm-hmm. love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, understanding, gentleness? Yeah. Am I able to control myself, you know, in, yeah. in, in situations? Or am I feeling chaotic, fearful? Yeah. Um, am I harming people with my words? And, and, yeah. and I think so love is a, is a big definition for, mm-hmm. for those fruits. Yeah, no, that's really, really good. So, you know, before this happened with, with you know, with Roe versus Wade, there was a, a post that you made. And, and I won't have to go into it, but I think it, the last time I saw it, I had like 300 shares. Obviously, it resonated with people. It had to do with transgendered and different things. And, mm. and so I shared it. And then I just watched the comments that came and on, on my page from it. There's people I don't know. I'm not friends with. But their comments were very traditional on what you would expect their comments to be. Sure. Right? Sure. Mm-hmm. And, and so I find that interesting. I want to one what you've done to get to a place that people's comments, because I assume they were targeting at you and not me. Yeah. I felt better, I, I felt better believing that. <laughs> so, right. That you were right. Thing, yeah. yeah. But, and this is what I think about. Okay. So I believe that we are called to get out of our old story, right. And get mm-hmm. into God's story, a new story, a new creation. I cannot be a new creation. If I hear the same thing every Sunday, I cannot become a new creation. Mm, if I hear the same good. translation of the Bible constantly, right. That's not a new creation. That You're is preaching. Me. Right, I'm, I can preach, yeah. brother. I can <laughs> preach. There's only certain stages I can preach on now, but I can preach, right? So, but it's just this idea of like, if I want to be a new creation, everything they wrote is is what sparked you to write it in the first place, yeah. Because that is the common right. traditional translation exactly. and understanding. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, part of this too is how do you handle the comments? Not that they were horrific; they didn't like, yeah, written your life. But how do you handle the comments? And then how do you handle that? Your comments are why I took the time to write this. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. here, here's the mirror. Like, the things that you're saying are, are why I, you know, wrote what I, what I did. I, exactly. I, yeah, I think that's a, that's a great question. Um, I, so, again, going back to, to Jesus, when I, when I read his Sermon on the Mount, which is, mm-hmm. to me, mm-hmm. if you want a picture of the politics of Jesus. Like it is the sermon on the Mount, how he instructs his disciples to live, right. It's the whole vision for new creation. Mm -hmm. It's it's powerful. Um, And and so in that sermon though, like you hear this kind of first century deconstruction Mm -hmm. where it's like, you have heard it said this way, but I tell you, Right. Yeah, so you've good. heard, you've heard Moses say this, he's literally yeah. interpreting the Torah yeah. for that generation. Right. And it's right. like, you have heard it said to love your neighbors and hate your enemy. This is a common phrase mm-hmm. in first century Palestine, but I tell you yeah. love your neighbors and your enemies. Right. So yeah. he's like yeah, reshaping yeah. these teachings. Mm-hmm. And so I think it points to what you're saying is that God's people, Christ's disciples are on this continued journey of discovery where we're overturning these rocks. We're not staying put as Jesus would say in old wineskins. 
wines. We're we're looking for the new covenant, the new right. wine that 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 Christ is doing. And Isaiah even prophesies this. Mm. Behold, I am doing something new. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right? That's yeah. that is the vision we're supposed to have with Christ. And so when comments like that come along, I, I actually in in social media world, they've created some really cool technologies where you're able to take some comments. And I'll I'll often ask if we could have it one-on-one. That way we're not having Mm. strangers jump in. And so if they accept that invitation to maybe private message or do it that way, that way it doesn't turn into a rat's nest because then you get everybody's opinions on. And I really like one-on-one conversations. And so I'll invite them to do that. And I'll just say, you know, I really want you to know where I'm coming from. I'm, mm. I I really believed deeply what you're saying, and I can understand the depth at which you believe those things too. Right. But here's what I've discovered in my scripture study that has made me think differently about these yeah. things, and, and hope that you know it's it's fruitful. And oftentimes it, it can be. Sometimes you know there's no agreement, yeah. um, but oftentimes it can be. And, and other times you really do have to block some people. Like and that. Yeah. I've had to yeah. try to get okay. I'm a recovering people pleaser. I'm, I don't yes. know if you've encountered people like me. Mm, let's see, all day long. <laughs> I make my car payment on people like you. So thank you. <laughs> well, I'll Venmo you after our podcast. Right? So, let's do it. Yeah. But, you know, being a recovering people pleaser, it mm-hmm. is so hard to get a negative mm-hmm. comment when really I'm, I've never you know, I never want people to think that I'm trying to say I have all these answers. I really right. want to yeah. put words to the current cultural moment and, and reflect on it together. Yeah. Um, and so when I get negative comments like that, it really does hurt because my desire mm. is, well, let's, mm. let's, let's dive in and ask yeah. these hard questions yeah. together. So, yeah, well, it makes me have even more respect for you to know that that's a struggle for you. Oh, and so that, <laughs> yeah. And I, I just did a talk last week and in, in, in hyper-focused on, you know, the first two greatest commandments, right? Because both start about love. And part of my issue was, is that most of us here in our ornamentality, conditioned self-childhood, love your neighbor and neglect yourself. Oh, yeah. And that's a trauma trauma response. We call that Christian. That is codependency. Oh my gosh, that just blew my mind. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Y'all heard it first here. Reverend Ben Kramer, who's freaking brilliant. This guy's has lid flipped on flip your lid. The irony that's, is too much, right? This is the place where it needs this to happen. It. This yeah. is it. And like, and that's what gets to me is that I'm watching people and it's so it's the system, right? So people, particularly women who are taught to have what's called a mm-hmm. preoccupied attachment, they're taught fawning, trauma response, people pleasing. And so that keeps people at the top who are more avoiding attachment, which means they don't have a lot of feelings. It's about the task being done Mm -hmm. for them and not about them doing for others. And it allows them to get built up and everyone else stays where they are. Wow. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Especially in a, in a culture that like sees productivity as a, as a virtue, those who are more detached can be more productive. Mm -hmm. That's yeah, that absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. We are, we are hyper achievers, especially when there's not, a connection. We attach mm-hmm. if we're not connected. And yeah. that's part of my pain reading all these posts and have as much empathy and compassion as I can for people when I see them using scripture in the way they're doing it because it's not something I haven't done. Yeah. Right? But to right. see that and know that what you're doing is attaching to the scripture, you're not connecting to one person. Mm-hmm. And, and connection is what allows us 
to walk into the door of a church or to listen to it online or do something and meet this amazing Jesus that saved me. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's so much truth in what you're saying, even when it comes to reading the Bible. Like, yeah. I remember the first time, like, Mary Magdalene became a real person for me. Yeah. You know, rather than this is just what the text says as this arbitrary rule that I need to live by it and ensure that other people are living by it. It's right. like, these are actual real human beings, and we get to see their mm. relationship with God put out on, on full display. Right. Um, it actually made me respect the old Testament in a new way uh, yeah. because Israel, if I was recording my life history, I'd leave out all the bad parts, all the bad icky parts. Right. But Very Israel's true, right? like, here's the book of judges. Here's mm-hmm. first and second Kings, all the times that we mm-hmm. messed up, screwed up, you know, got sent into exile. They're, they're faithful in recording their unfaithfulness yeah. so yeah. that we would have, you know, a progress for us. So like understanding mm-hmm. the people in, mm-hmm. you know, stepping mm-hmm. into their world is such an important part to read the Bible correctly. Yeah. Yeah, well, the way you said that's so beautiful because you just made someone that you won't meet until you get to heaven as a person, and we're using words in Scripture as if it's not about a person. Yeah, exactly. Right? Very and impersonal. Yeah. It's yeah. very impersonal. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, I love all, all the things you're posting and what you're writing because what you're saying to people in an intellectual but personal way, a lot of people don't have that balance and you do mm-hmm. of like, hey, would you like to have this point of view? Would you like to step into this? They don't have to. No. But would you like, and people are so responsive to you. And, and so I, I assume it's just because it's your essence. Mm-hmm. It's on a piece of paper. Mm-hmm. I've right, never heard it that media. way before. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, because, you know, I say a lot of things, Ben. People don't follow me. They used to. Now they don't. Right <laughs> <laughs> now they don't. <laughs> yeah, they don't care about me. But this idea of like it's it's that when you're that authentic, people either really can't deal because they're so inauthentic, or they're just mm. craving that that essence. Mm. And I really feel like that's what you do really well. Gosh, that's so kind of you to say. I I love how you frame that. I'm gonna think on that some more. <laughs> you percolate on that in our next yeah. session. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See what lid will be flipped next. Right. We're flipping <laughs> left and right over here, people. Yeah. Yeah. So it's beautiful. Tell me what's your favorite story in the Bible that brings you peace and joy? Gosh, you know, I think my mind brings up a couple. My favorite scripture passage, had it read at my wedding, um, Mm was is uh, Philippians 2 um, and it's the that that hymn that Paul writes about um, Jesus although being equal with God mm. God in fullness he Jesus didn't see equality with God as something to be exploited, but he humbled himself, lowered himself, became a human being, even a servant to the world, to death on a cross. And because of that humility of lowering himself, then God lifted him up and glorified him, name above all names. And so then Paul's like, make my joy complete. Have this same attitude. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> as right. Christ Jesus, putting yeah. the interests of others above yourself. And mm-hmm. like, that's the vision of the church that I was like Philippians right. two. if we could just get that first, you yeah. know? Yeah. Um, and, but that brings me peace that, you know, mm-hmm. I've seen people um, embody it. And my, my mind, if you're thinking of a, like an actual story, it's, it's Pentecost um, where mm-hmm. the, the Holy spirit comes down 
and you hear this prophecy from Joel from the lips of Peter that says, in the last days, your sons and your daughters will prophesy, your young, your old, your slaves, everyone. It's like an all-encompassing, I will mm. pour out my, my spirit on all flesh. Yeah. All flesh, yeah. every nationality there, every ethnic, every race, mm. like everyone is given this gift of the Holy Spirit. And so I'm like, that's something that I can, I can work for. Like that really does bring me peace to, yeah. to envision that kind of peace where everyone is working in harmony mm. and we can understand each other. Cause at the core of Pentecost is language, right? Everybody's mm-hmm. speaking, they can mm-hmm. hear their own languages, but everyone's speaking in their own language. And it, that's not a barrier. It's actually a bridge. Yeah, to be brought amazing. together, right? Yeah. And so, like, yeah. it's it's the reversal of the Tower of Babel where everyone's mm-hmm. languages was confused, but mm-hmm. we can actually authentically hear each other. Mm. And our differences are not a barrier, but a bridge to deeper connection. And yeah. so, like, mm-hmm. if that was the birth of the church, and if the church could get that, then, yeah. you know, I think we could bring a lot of peace to the world. Yeah, I so just felt the Holy Spirit and felt you saying that. I'm going to take that and steal that. I'm not going to give you any credit <laughs> at all. Flip some other lids. With the, yeah, I'm well, flip some other lids. I got so it good. from the Bible, so I can't really yeah, get well, that's credit true. See, We're all cheating. We're all cheating. <laughs> it's not even sin. We're just cheating. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, no, but just that sense of connection, because that's what it's about, right? This idea of that language isn't a barrier it's a bridge yeah and i i feel that for you like that's what you're teaching people but it's also so much of the world psychology and spirituality for me it's this idea of can we can we agree on language of love yeah, can we agree right. on because without connection to self and this is part of how I view the Bible differently you know i was taught like all of us were that anything about self is wrong anything about self is mm-hmm. selfish and now I know if I'm so worthy that Jesus got to walk this earth for me mm-hmm. to embody me that to if I'm that worthy, then God would not want me to neglect myself. Right. right? That, right. that there has to be some connection to self if I'm gonna understand purpose, if I'm gonna understand what's next for me, what it means to be a chosen. Yeah. Chosen yeah. one. Right. Yeah. I can't neglect myself and grow. Absolutely. Well, and in in reality, what I've discovered is that is starting at at the wrong place in scripture. So like when we see humanity created, Mm. what's the first thing said over humanity? God says it is good. And the Hebrew there is actually double good. So it's good, good. It's very holy, good. And, and then, you know, sin enters the picture and they're, Mm. they're cast from this garden of abundance. And Mm -hmm. even then we learn that the wages of sin is death early on, but God doesn't, destroy humanity like Mm -hmm. god still wants to partner even in the Mm -hmm. midst of that brokenness and Mm -hmm. and try to redeem the situation but sin doesn't take away that goodness we're still created in god's image it sin is this barrier in reflecting that image fully but part of that is to understand the value in which we've been created. Yeah. Right. So it's, it's actually accepting the self that like, Mm -hmm. Oh my goodness, God said that I was good. I was a blessing. So it's starting with the original blessing rather than starting with the curse of original sin. Right. Like then when, when we understand that Christ is the doorway to that goodness that we've been created in and that changes the whole script. It's like, 
I am a human being created in the image of God Mm -hmm. and other people are too. And I should Mm -hmm. treat them that way. Mm -hmm. Like, Oh my gosh, why, why would I want to do anything that's destructive to this or them? (laughs) You know, it's just so it changes the narrative. Joyful. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. It flips a strip. And, and, and in that, you know, to know that shame is what came in. Yes. They call it separation. It's how I read it. And everybody doesn't read it that way. I still read it that way. Mm -hmm. Shame came in and that shame is a belief you can take over your whole system. It's an emotion. It's so complex. But I, I've i never been separate from God. Like God's never been separate from me. Shame caused me not to experience the closeness with God. Right. And right. so to, for us to not have shame in our arsenal, to not be pulling mm-hmm. on shame out of our tool belt and using it against each other or against ourselves, there's, there's no one gets shamed and says, oh, now I will change. Mm-hmm. I'll, right. If you shame me, I'll adapt to what I'm doing so that you'll stop stabbing me. Right. But I right. won't change and seek God in that. Yeah, that is so true. Like, how, gosh, how many experiences have we had in our own religious upbringing mm-hmm. where yeah. you followed the rules out of shame and out fear? Shame. That's right. Right. That's right. Be- because you thought, oh, if I don't measure up to this, I'm going to continue to be stabbed yeah. with shame. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But, but then when you discover love, it's like, it's like that scripture mm-hmm. passage that God did not give us a spirit of, of fear, but of mm-hmm. the loving power of God. Mm-hmm. And so like you were actually empowered when you're loved yeah. well, right. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. love is much more empowering than, than mm-hmm. fear and shame ever will be. You may, it may be productive for a short amount of time, mm-hmm. but you're going to get people you know, abandoning that, that system of shame after, Mm -hmm. after too Mm -hmm. long. Yeah. It's so true. And the idea of just knowing what love does when it comes in, yeah, meaning that if I can sit in this and I really feel God's love for me, I can reach out to you. And if you say no to me, I'm not wrecked. Mm -hmm. Right. But when we are still controlled by our fear of rejection, more than we have experienced love, Mm-hmm. then I can't even ask you to be in my podcast Yeah, because the fear of you rejecting me is larger than the love of experience. Wow. That's so true. That is so true. And, and love also makes, makes it uh, brings in that humility. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that fear of rejection actually is stemmed on that for me, at least yeah. where if, if I'm, if I'm not humble, then I can think that someone's, more of a sinner than I am, right? There you go. There yeah, you I don't. Go. I don't extend the same grace to other people that I do to myself. It's like yeah. I'll give myself a pass that I wouldn't ever give anyone else, right? right. right. And so it's a great equalizer. It's like mm-hmm. everyone is really trying their best. Mm-hmm. You know, at the at right. the end of the day, they right. really they really are. And so if I can understand and extend the same grace to them as I do to myself, then mm-hmm. that really makes it a less fearful conversation where it's just yeah. like there's there I, I can't be scared or fearful of their sin infecting me, right? Or yeah. or yeah. then being a greater sinner than myself because we really are all stumbling along trying mm-hmm. to do this this journey of life together. Yeah. Absolutely. And just even sitting with that, the idea of, you know, for you, if, you know, if that sin doesn't stop us from the closeness, right? Mm -hmm. That if someone says they're Buddhist, I don't have to instantly start praying for protection, right? right? The things that we do. And again, when you're in your unhealthy ego, 
and it's very unconscious, then it's it's very protective. And so your world is small and it's it's safe, but it's really small. So if someone says they're Buddhist and all of a sudden I was taught, I better start praying over myself <laughs> as if Jesus is that small. Yeah. It's really it's right? my ego my ego is small. Not not right. Jesus. Yeah. Um, you, you know the best. You just brought up another scripture story. I must be a pastor or something because yeah, I'm thinking I'm, to I'm leaning towards that with you. <laughs> <Yeah. right? Yeah. laughs> but the the story you just reminded me of, where Jesus intentionally ruffled the feathers or the ego of mm. of religious folks who were set in their yeah. ways, is yeah. is the Samaritan, the Good Samaritan, mm-hmm. where they they worshipped God in the wrong place in the wrong way. Um, Israelite culture, they actually saw Samaritans as so unclean, almost on par with the dead, that they would burn any utensils that Samaritans touched uh, because they saw them as so impure and unclean. So like, just think of the the folks that may be fundamentalists or evangelicals would say unclean, right? Keep your distance. And then Jesus uses a Samaritan as the center character of this parable. And who's walking by? a teacher of the law, a priest, a Levite, the keeper of Israel's history. And they all walk to the other side of this man in desperate need of help. But who comes along and actually embodies Jesus? Mm. (laughs) Right. The same Greek word that Luke uses for Jesus is used for the Samaritan in in the Greek text. Right. So just incredible there. So reaches down, touches the dead, Mm-hmm. helps him, gives him all of the, that, that salary there. And, and so like Jesus is trying to say, are you, are you arrogant to think that the power of God is yours? Or are you curious mm-hmm. and humble mm-hmm. enough to look for the power of God anywhere? Because if yeah. the Holy Spirit is in and all, if we really do believe that, that the Holy Spirit is in and all through things, then we should be looking for it at work in the most unlikely places. Yeah. So like when I meet a Buddhist now, or I meet someone from a different faith or a different Christian tradition, my first question is, how can I be aware of the Holy Spirit in this person yeah. and look yeah. for Jesus who's at work? Because yeah. I yeah. believe that. That's, you right. Know? <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So yeah. as simple or as silly as might be in the sense of like, how do we, like what you just said is so beautiful and how Jesus is. And, you know, I, I love the woman at, at the well. I love mm-hmm. Jesus showing up for her and I'm still... So baffled that today. Another Samaritan. Yeah. Another Samaritan. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That we are we are literally sending people to the well at noon. We're telling mm. marginalized people in the name of Jesus, go to the well at noon. Not to mm. meet Jesus, just don't be around me. Yeah. And we're literally wow. still doing that, right? Yeah. yeah. So, but how do we help people who are not seeing the beauty in Jesus? They're just taking certain scripture. They're just saying, but. Right. It's just, a, it's a reward yeah. system. It's a reward punishment system. Yeah. Like what have you found the most loving and capable way of trying to help people know who Jesus really is? Yeah. Gosh. I, I think that's honestly the main thing that keeps me in pastoral ministry is like, if you can live in community together, have mm-hmm. face-to-face yeah, fellowship with each other, yeah. like that, that's, I think that's why the discipleship relationship with Jesus and his disciples are, mm-hmm. is so important because they literally spent three years every day together, right? Yeah. Trying to shape this community of love and care. Mm-hmm. And I don't know who said it, but I love the phrase, you can't hate up close. Yeah. Um, and yeah. so I think when there's this shared intention, like we may not agree right now, 
Mm-hmm. You know, but our desire mm-hmm. is that we're going to keep walking this road together mm-hmm. um, and, and and try to discern wisdom. Because like if the goal of scripture, which I believe is yeah. wisdom, yeah. <laughs> rather than is. like yeah. these hard and fast either or binary mm-hmm. categories, it's like mm-hmm. the Bible's like, look at all this mess. <laughs> in yeah. this relationship with God and each other. Yeah. And, and let's, let's see the wisdom in it, like, and, yeah. and work that way together. I think if there's that shared commitment, mm-hmm. then, then you can really start to see the beauty there of, mm-hmm. of Christ in, in community. Yeah. Yeah. And that is, that is why 12 step programs work. Yeah. Is it is community and it is shared and it's attraction rather than promotion mm-hmm. and something that the church as a whole can learn from on some sense of, yeah. you know, because everyone is allowed to sit in a 12-step meeting. You know, I can't go in the majority of churches now, yeah. right? There's like five churches in Charlotte I'm, I'm welcomed in. Gosh. Right? And so it's yeah. just, how, how do you ever think that people are going to be attracted? Yeah. To, yeah. When you're being told you're less than, right. you're unworthy, but you just told me God said I'm worthy and sent the son right. for me. But, oh, now, now you're unworthy again. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Absolutely. Well, and it feels like, so I'm a church history nerd and every yeah. 500 years, the church goes through a reformation like clockwork yeah. and we're like 512, like, okay. so we're in the, from Luther's reformation. Right. Uh, and so like, we are in the middle of one right now. And I think every generation of, of God's people, they realize that they are now been an, Except it's like the Gentiles with Paul, right? Oh my gosh, they're grafted in with God's people mm-hmm. in Israel. Like all of these people are now included. And Israel's like, what? And Gentiles are like, what? You know, we're not, we're not supposed to be together. But like God's actually yeah. bringing the people yeah. together, these outsiders who yeah. are, you know, now insiders, right? Mm-hmm. And then we turn around 500 years later and we're doing the same thing. Where it's like, yeah, no, we we're the insiders mm-hmm. and you guys are the, the outside. I had a biblical commentator say, once and I never forgot what she said. She's like, mm. as soon as we start drawing the line in the sand of who's in and who's out, yeah, we right. find ourselves on the opposite side of God. Whew. It's the truth. It's the truth. It's like, the so truth. every time we're saying you're in, mm-hmm. you know, we are in, you are out, yeah. you know, that's when we're d- working against God's work of mm-hmm. salvation, bringing together. Mm-hmm. And so like when those of us who have been so gifted by the grace, like, oh my gosh, look at this gift of salvation. Who are we then to say yeah. you are out? Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> you know, isn't community supposed to be a place where, we all feel like we're outsiders every now and then, but yeah. we're working together to make each other, mm. you know, include one another mm-hmm. and, and build up a community of integrity uh, of yeah. love and grace together. Yeah. Well, and, you know, I think about Acts 432, where at that point, the disciples, if there was a need, they all yeah. collectively yeah. helped each other. And I knew at some point mm-hmm. they got in a fight and they all walked away from each other, but that, <laughs> right. <laughs> The beauty of that, that then when they were, because relationships are about emotional needs. That's how we connect. When you said earlier, it's about seeing people. When we see each other and we hear each other and that happens, there's a beautiful connection. There's a trust that starts to happen. And so when people show up more as themselves and as a church, we don't know how to help people with mental struggle. We don't want to help somebody with a different sexual orientation or if they're divorced now. If we do that, then that's part of, Acts 432, it went from needs being met that all of a sudden your problem is bigger than my experience. So I need you to get out. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That's really well said. And wouldn't you say that it's because 
our like our our fixation with rules, our fixation mm-hmm. with the kind of these structures of control. Yes, um, yes, yes. That's what makes these life experiences too big because you don't fit in this mm-hmm. box that's easily identified right. um, that fits in these categories that I know, and I'm not really willing to expand on them. Mm-hmm. And since you don't fit in those things, I can't control you anymore. Right. Whereas Jesus turned that all upside down and said, yeah. the greatest among you is actually going to be the servant. So like yeah. pastors, yeah. those in leadership are there to serve, like to yeah. be the greatest example of a servant among you. And then your, your hierarchies are not like one person at the top all the way to the down. It's actually the, the person who's trying to empower the whole communities at the bottom, like mm-hmm. Jesus lifting mm-hmm. everyone up so mm-hmm. that they in turn lift each other up. Right. Yeah. And then yeah. the vulnerable are actually at the top. Right. <laughs> it's just like right. they get the most care and the most right. attention. Uh, the least of those get, get the most yeah. love. Yeah. Um, and so I think it's those categories of control where it's like, it's mm-hmm. not about love mm-hmm. that God is calling us to. Like if we're trying to start with control, then we have to have these categories that are easily identified yeah. and boxes for people to put in That's so right. that we can maintain our yeah. control. Yeah. You nailed it. And so, you know, fear, Fear is a cognitive construct, it has an emotional component, but we get mm-hmm. taught what fear is and what threats are, right? We have a sense of danger. Yeah. And so yeah. control is always, it's never a connection. It's always fear-based. Mm-hmm. And it means I'm not willing to get uncomfortable. So I need everyone around me to regulate this experience for me instead of me knowing how to regulate my experience, Wow! right? I need wow. everyone else to do that for me. Now, there's people who generally do that don't feel a whole lot. They're doers. And I'm. Mm-hmm. this is me to a T, right? I'm a doer. I don't feel a whole lot. Marriage has changed that about me, Ben, but we won't talk about that. <laughs> next but episode. I, next episode. But yeah. I can do a whole lot. So when you get majority of people who don't have feelings, therefore there's no empathy and compassion, but they're doers and they create this, right? Mm-hmm. Then those at the bottom are still the vulnerable and the vulnerable are not at the top. Right. 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 So people who don't have feelings, who don't, who think vulnerability is weak. Right. Who are actually running the church as a whole. Oh my goodness. Yeah, that's absolutely true. And what where does where does the Bible tell us that God is at? God mm. is always with the brokenhearted, yeah, the marginalized. That's right. That's Every right. time a prophet is sent to Israel, it's mm. they're raging against the systems of inequality, uh, those who oppress the poor, the widow, the orphan. Yeah. Then you have James towards the end of the Bible saying, yeah. this is what true religion looks like, lifting right. up the widow, the orphan, like yeah. care, good news for the poor, like mm-hmm. liberating the oppressed, mm-hmm. setting the captives free, you know, right. good health care to people, like, you know, right. healing people. And, and like, that's what it looks like to advocate. Mm-hmm. control has a whole different set of agendas and priorities yeah. Yeah. and it creates that codependency on mm-hmm. a person who's pursuing power rather than people who are that's pursuing right. love together that's right people are pursuing love and, mm-hmm. so, and, and because of that it's, it's you got uncomfortable somewhere yeah. in your walk you got really uncomfortable unable to get be transformed to get somewhere else to have a higher consciousness mm-hmm. with god instead of just because you could have been really comfortable with what you already knew. Yeah. Yeah. There it's, I tell my wife about this all the time. It's like, you know, that old theology was a lot more comfortable. And me as a, as a white male, I had a lot yes. more power Absolutely. You know, in that structure of, of theology that I was given. But now like it's, I found this deeper uh, definition of faith mm. where it's like, am I supposed to be comfortable 
That's or so it, good. That's is, so good. is comfortability really part of, mm. of faith? Because yeah. certainty brings a lot of comfort, right? Right. But faith is seeking understanding. It's the evidence of things that are not seen. And mm. I find a lot of comfort in what's mm. seen right in front of me. Right. But I'm not pursuing anything, any mystery. Like yeah. the unknown of God or the unknown of the person sitting yeah. right in front of me. That's There's right. no curiosity. And so like yeah. this work of faith has made me need to be uh, more comfortable with with discomfort. I love um, that. Yeah. There's a there's a quote I love I saw about art, but I've applied it to the gospel. So I stole mm. it. It's mine now. They can't have it back. <laughs> That's right. But <laughs> the, the quote is when the gospel is preached appropriately, it will comfort the disturbed and disturb yeah. the comfortable. Yeah. And and I think that's the walk of faith for me as mm-hmm. well. It's like, what areas am I too comfortable? Mm-hmm. Because I'm set in my privilege. I'm mm-hmm. set in my worldview. And that person is deeply disturbed. And I have no idea why they're uncomfortable or why yeah. they're in pain. Yeah. How can I step into that world, be okay yeah. with the discomfort so that we can find comfort together? Yeah, yeah, that is so good. And knowing what's, what's yours in that. And they don't take all of it because you're recovering the people pleaser. Like you can be uncomfortable with them without holding all of it. Exactly. It's a huge lesson. Yes. Huge lesson. (laughs) They already have a savior and it isn't me. It isn't. There isn't. And y'all might, y'all probably don't even look alike is what I'm thinking. (laughs) I think he's probably a little darker. I'm just saying. Yeah. His tan is a lot nicer than mine. And, and he probably could play the guitar instead of just having it in the background for the heck of it. Right. Exactly. Without even thinking. Without <laughs> even thinking. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's so that. good. It's so good. I loved, can we be best friends? Yes, I love absolutely. You. We are now. You're amazing. Oh yeah. We already are. You here are too. Are. <laughs> yeah. This is, this is so good. All right. I'm going to ask you some, put you in a hot seat. This is how we always end. Okay. All and, right. And just put you, Oof. just kind of a little lighthearted way. You've made it through the hard part. So God is good. All right. Okay. Here we go. Okay. So what's the first word for you that comes to mind when you hear the word progress? The first word, progress, joy. Joy, yeah. Yeah, good, good. What's your favorite quote besides the one about that you just stole about this comfort the disturbed? You have yeah. a different, yeah. Oh, gosh. Um, I have so many quotes. <laughs> too, too many. Um, you know, I... I'm I'm kind of blanking on on a on a favorite quote. Can we come back to that one? Sure, absolutely. Okay. okay. All right. What is on your nightstand? What's on my nightstand? Yeah, it's a book called The Celebration of Disciplines by Richard Foster. Okay. Um, and Richard Foster is actually who we named our our son who was born three months ago. His name is Foster. Oh, and what so a great he's name. A, he's a Quaker theologian, and it's a great book. Um, just just a wonderful book. That's awesome. Well, congrats on having a Thank little baby you. boy named Foster. Yeah, that is I great. Love him. Is, it, is it your first child that you know of? Yeah, first. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Way to ruin a reverend's reputation on one stage. You know, I was raised in purity culture, so it okay, is right. the only it is child. It. it is it. You were a good boy. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. All right. Tell me what surprises people the most about you. What surprises this? Wow, I'm gonna have to be my full self, aren't I? Yes, uh, sir. I was in a death metal band for for five years as their main vocalist, and 
we we were pursuing a record contract like we were talking wow. with solid state records and a few other other shut people, up are but, you serious that's yeah. amazing but I, <laughs> I have a, a deep place in my heart like that it's it's angry music for happy people and i just yeah. i think yeah. there's no other music that actually sounds like the book of revelation when you <laughs> when you turn it on right <laughs> so like it is it's a it, the narrative is always like this is what's wrong with the world and yeah. this is what needs to be destroyed right these right systems of of power and like it's always you know speaking truth to power so i i love i love punk and, and metal so that's that's what people are so shocked by oh, whenever they find out but i love that i love that <laughs> all right so what surprises you the most about you surprises me oh wow i i think what surprises me the most um consistently is um the the ability to continue growing um mm. i i think seeing who i was once was so stuck in my ways and and mm. just had a clear clean concise picture of the world what truth was what sin was and i was mm. the arbiter of those things that's right i i think when i look at who that person was mm. and this ability for passion that I, that I'm continuing to try to foster in myself, that mm -hmm. desire for growth. I think that's what consistently surprises me. Yeah. That's so beautiful. Right. That's so, and that's another way of knowing we're in the right community, that you're in a community that wants you to be on the path of growth. Yes. Right. Yeah. yeah that's yeah. so good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What is your favorite binge worthy show? Ooh, you know, I love, I love documentaries. And yeah. so I will just hop around and binge, but I, I was a huge fan of the office for a long time. Oh, so I'll brilliant still turn show. that on. Brilliant yeah. show. Absolutely. And Parks yeah. and Rec, right? Oh, absolutely. I'm with you. Yeah. I'm with you. Yeah. Yes. So good. Yeah. And so, and then, then I just finished Under the Banner of Heaven, which is oh, about. Yeah. Norman that's so good. Extremists. Oh yeah. my gosh. So. Yeah. It's yeah. such good acting too. It's really, really yeah, good. Yeah. It really yeah. is. They, it was so well done. Yeah. Do you watch documentaries about religion? Yes. About the cults all and all the time. Yes. yes. <laughs> all the time. Yes. Right. Absolutely. Such a draw yeah. to that. Yeah. All right. Uh, so last question. And unless you know a favorite quote, do you know? A I do. Quote? I just okay. Okay. Yeah. So uh Dietrich Bonhoeffer is like he's my mm. um I just he, he's somebody that I really, really admire in history. And yeah. just just when I mention him, the most famous um book about him is by Eric Metaxas Bonhoeffer. Ter it's terrible just avoid it was not done right like yeah. it shaped him so inappropriately but he has this quote that i i just love that means um he says that truthful questions uh, sorry um truthful answers can only come from truthful questions being asked Ooh, that's so good especially if what we're dealing with right now yeah so exactly yeah, so yeah. when you get are, are the questions that are being asked right now truthful because right. the answers depend on truthful questions that's so true being asked. that's so good yeah. yeah sounds so simple but we have to have it framed to even think of that absolutely because yeah. all those narratives that come along by the answers that we're given or the questions that we're given it all shapes the yeah. conversation that we have yeah that's so good okay if you could give yourself a different name, what would it be? Ooh, a different name. Yeah, Dietrich. Could, Dietrich. <laughs> For Dietrich Bonhoeffer. No, no, I got <laughs> or, it. I got it. I got or, it. Great. Or Soren. I've I've always I'm an admirer of Soren Kierkegaard as well, the 
the Danish philosopher. Right. So I love Thorin because you get that umlaut, you know, the circle with the slash yeah, through. Yeah. Like that would be so cool to have that. If you <laughs> change your name to that, please don't come to the South. You know, I invited you here. You uh-huh. can't, we won't know what to do with that. We will not. <laughs> so, <laughs> like how to pronounce it. Or we can't pronounce it. it or we no. can't write it. We can't, we can't do anything. We can't smoke it. There's nothing. <laughs> Sorry, Ben. There's nothing we can do with that. One, I think so. I'll just stick with Ben then. I guess we'll I, I want to visit the South. I so want you to come here. Yeah. yeah. So, all right. Yeah. So, I know people have fallen in love with you, just like I have. So, how? I know you just had recently sent something out for people to subscribe. Yeah. Tell people how to find you right now. Yeah. So that's probably the most recent and exciting thing. I'm starting a weekly newsletter um, to dive in deeper on some of these topics than than I can on social media. So the people that are interested in that ongoing conversation, and I'm always diving into podcasts and and reading and looking at articles. So I'll include some of the highlights of what I've read too. Mm -hmm. So to resource Mm -hmm. uh, thinking throughout the week. Um, So that'll take place Sunday morning. So I, I tell people if they don't have a church right now, hopefully, on Sunday mornings, you'll get a newsletter that kind of refreshes your perspective and and helps you ask some deeper questions. So that's a um, convert kit. The link is on all of my platforms. So you can find me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, and they should be pinned at the top of my profile if you'd like to subscribe. Yeah. Y'all please subscribe to that. We'll also try to put that in our notes as well. Oh, perfect. Yeah. So thank you so much. This was so great, Kim. Yeah, it was awesome. (laughs) You're, You're a breath of fresh air and we need that right now so are you. we really did yeah so we got you. we all really do need each other so i hope we can find a better way of doing that in the days ahead yeah continuing <laughs> to end the stigma within the community and just be together right yeah, safely absolutely right absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. but to all of you who listened today i know you heard more than one thing that helped you reconnect to who god says you really are we'll see you next time thank you for listening to flip your lid with kim honeycutt please subscribe rate and share You can find Kim on Facebook or Instagram at KB Honeycutt. To get an autographed copy of Kim's book, visit butyourmotherlovesyou.com. Remember, no matter what, treat yourself well today.